It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock here on News Talk 1400. Lauren Tate is in the house. The phone line is open. 356-9397 is the number. Coming up at 11, we will join in progress Illinois baseball. They are getting set to play right now down in uh, North Carolina against um, Seton Hall after winning their game Last night, by a score of 3-2 to two over Milwaukee, had some travel difficulties getting uh, to Winston-Salem. But uh, yeah, That's the first time I've ever heard of a game being uh, changed twice. <laughs> but uh, I, I sent a message to uh, Scott Beatty, who did the game. I said, uh, Scott, I don't know if you knew this, but they changed the starting time again. It was three hours ago, and they didn't tell you. <laughs> he said, well, do I still get paid? And you said? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Scott a little bit this morning. Uh, that game getting set to start uh, right now, that is on uh, Internet only until we get done. Then we'll bring it up on the air. In progress, Illinois and Seton Hall today. Last night's uh, game was won by the Illini 3-2, to 3-6-0 and for Illinois, 2-7-1 and for Milwaukee. The Illini 1-0 in the season. That was the season opener. Ty Weber got the win. Garrett Acton got the save. A couple of wily veterans there. Yeah, Weber threw six good innings and, and had seven strikeouts and did a good job, good solid start. And, of course, Acton pits the ninth inning and closed it out. Nathan Aid in his first at-bat as a member of the Fighting Illini, a two-run homer. Opposite field. Yeah. How about that? First time up. Yep. He's a... One of a couple of transfers playing a role. They got a lot of new guys on this. Yeah, team. I, I, first thing I did, I looked him up to see what he, how many home runs he hit last year. I think it was three, <laughs> in junior college or college, uh, small college that he attended, and uh, you know, it's just uh, it's one of those things that he he caught one and hit it to, to right. He's a right-handed hitter and he hit it to right field over the fence. So baseball wins their season opener. They'll play again today and again tomorrow, weather permitting. When I talked to uh, Scott Beatty, you know, 30 minutes ago, it was like 34 degrees. Mm, it was right? in the 30s last night when they played, too. He said it felt like a football Saturday mm. morning instead of a baseball one, but still better than it is here. No snow down there. Uh, you're not going to uh, avoid the most uh, the key question of the day, are you? You're going to tell us whether Io is going to play or not? I'd say it's probably day-to-day. <laughs> you sound like Coach. And this is a new, We'll hear Coach say that, too. This is a new day, but Io is on the trip. They're in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, to take on Rutgers this afternoon. Rutgers, a three and a half point favorite in the ball game. Illinois, at the moment, still ranked in the uh, top 25 at number 22, and uh, this is a big game for Illinois. At the first of a tough stretch of back-to-back road games out east. They'll come back to Champaign-Urbana and then turn around and go back. East to Penn State for a Tuesday game. Yeah, Scott Rich is just going to stay out there. He drove out there, and he's going to drive from uh, Rutgers to Penn State for a Tuesday game. 
Scott's going to join us coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Our lineup includes Scott Ritchie at uh, 9.15. Jack Ebling, who covers Michigan State, will join us at 9.30. We'll look back at that Michigan State game and talk about what's been going on in East Lansing this week with the new football coach. Doug Altenberger will join us at 10. At 10.30, Jim Heffernan, the Illinois wrestling coach, going into the final regular season Big Ten match tomorrow against Purdue at Huff Hall. One o'clock the time for that. That's on BTN, by the way, tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, Jim Rosso would like to announce that there's a big uh, article in the Sports Extra this weekend on two of the Illini wrestlers, and both of whom are local guys, Cardoni and, and Luffman, who went to Centennial and Urbana, respectively, and are now regulars for the Illini. That uh, basketball game this afternoon, 3.30 start. Our pregame coverage begins at 2 o'clock. Other games in uh, the Big Ten today, Purdue is at Ohio State at 11. Northwestern at Penn State at 11. Wisconsin plays at Nebraska, 115. And uh, maybe the big game of the uh, day, at least, in the Big Ten, besides the Illinois game, is number 9, Maryland, at Michigan State. That How game are you picking that one? Michigan State's a seven-point favorite. They are. Home. They are. And uh, I don't know. I still kind of like Maryland, but maybe Michigan State uh, got off the snide a little bit with that win here earlier this week. What Illinois needs to do is get the lid off the month of February. I know. It's it's scary. We're halfway I mean, through now. <laughs> what you, what you got to realize is Illinois now ranks number 36 in the net. The net is that which is being used by the committee that selects the NCAA tournament teams. And you get down around 40, you're on the bubble. And they are now 36. There are 10 Big Ten teams listed ahead of Illinois in the net. Ten. Only The only ones behind are uh, Minnesota. Northwestern and Nebraska. And most bracketologists still have 11 teams from the Big Ten making the field. Illinois is kind of on that 6-7 seed line as we speak today. Yeah, I I just spoke wrong. Indiana's behind Illinois, too, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, Indiana is in in real trouble. They've got to straighten out. Uh, But, Steve, there won't be – I mean, how many do you think ultimately will be taken? When it's all said and done, out of the Big Ten, out of the 14 teams, how many times do you think will be taken? I think there's a good chance to get 10. Okay. Well, that's where Illinois is right now. They're yeah. the 10th. <laughs> that's the scary part. I'm just saying, if you don't win games, I'm not, if yeah. you win games, you're okay. I get that, but should they be behind Purdue? They beat well, Purdue twice. Well, I just keep saying we can't say too much about how much the losses – those three early season losses are. The, the loss to Missouri is huge because Missouri turned out to be bad. The loss to Miami is, is huge because they turned out to be bad. And the loss to Arizona isn't what it was at the time because they've fallen out of the top group. I mean, it's just the, the, the thing is, Steve, that these teams, when you, we say we beat a ranked team, well, you might beat a ranked team at that time, but they might not be ranked now. And if they're not ranked now, they don't count as a ranked team. They, th- those ranks, those rankings change. I saw something the other day where, <laughs> I think it was Purdue that, you know, one day they were 29, the next day they're 31. One day they're in the top group, and the next day they're in the second group, and it, and it just swings back and forth like that. I've seen games where it's a quad one game for one team, but not for the other. <laughs> I know exactly. That's what I was trying to say. I, yeah, it's amazing. Right now in the Big Ten standings, Illinois, if it ended today, if you want to look at it that way, would have. 
the number four seed, but uh, there's a lot to happen and uh, some tiebreakers that uh, could come into effect. But if you could stay in that top four, that'd be awful nice. You wouldn't have to play till Friday. Yeah, well, the Big Ten tournament. It all comes down to what you do in games from between here and the end of the season. These games are really critical now. Three home games, four on the road, two tough ones on the road, two of the tougher places to play, and. You know, Maryland, I guess, is probably the best team in the Big Ten, but you got <laughs> you got to take a hard look at Penn State right now. Well, Seven straight wins, an old, experienced, deep yeah, team. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the fact that Watkins and, and uh, uh, Stevens. Stevens are still around is, is critical to them. I mean, that's, just, that's the difference for them, it's seniors that stayed around. And Illinois is, is, didn't lose anybody other than ja- uh, Jackson last year. But the, the, the key thing is, is if you can keep guys around, what, what we're seeing is that Michigan, well, Purdue, when you lose key players with eligibility left, it's, it's too late to fill. It's too late to replace them, usually. Illinois practiced here yesterday and then uh, flew out to uh, New Jersey to get set for the uh, ball game. Iowa DeSumo was in practice. Don't know, we didn't get a chance to see how much he uh, took part in practice, but he obviously made the trip. Here's Brad Underwood after practice on Io's status. Day to day. There's no structural damage, and uh, his status is, will, will just be, you know, day to day. As long as there's no, there's no injury, it's, it's day to day. You know, everybody knows how hard Io's worked, and I know by the amount of text I've got from the national media, and I know, uh, uh, you know, obviously the interest level is is high. And had a rebounder's luncheon yesterday, and got a bazillion questions. So, uh, you know, people are thinking about him, and and you know what he what a what a great young man he is. So, uh, those are the those are the type of guys that you're you, you're really pulling for and rooting for, and hoping it's nothing major. And and uh, we were very 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 blessed with that uh, that there was nothing structurally uh, wrong. We've played without him before, and uh, you know, and that's that's all part of uh, the game of basketball is is dealing with guys that uh, that can't go, and uh, we'll see how that goes as he moves forward. Uh, you know, his main main recourse is rehab and and uh, massage and Fletch and Paul Schmidt, and so we'll uh, you know we'll deal with that as we as we get closer to game time. Brad Underwood yesterday before they. Uh flew out to New Jersey to get set for the ball game against Rutgers. So your guess is as good as anybody's when you might see him. It's all about, I've never been a guy that had any knee injuries. I don't know about you. Most of my injuries over the years are shoulder. Uh, But it's all about the swelling. If the swelling goes down, you're you're likely to come back sooner, obviously. But uh, with no structural damage, those guys are in good shape. But well, it sure he, didn't look good when he went down. No, it didn't. But he was back out on the court Thursday. Now, when yeah. I say he was on the court, I, I, I didn't witness it. I don't know how much what he actually did, whether he just shot around right. or whether he actually participated in any part of practice. When we were there yesterday for the interview with uh, the coach and they were still practicing when we got there, he was in the, in the, um, in the room with Fletch. Mm-hmm. So they're working him. They're massaging it. They're working it. They're you know trying to get him back. And I think the key was – when he came back, did he have any problem the next day? And we don't know. Uh, it, they're saying day to day, and they're not going to tell Rutgers whether he's going to play or not. Exactly. So, and they're not going to tell us. But at least we know uh, we can be sure 
that he's going to be back at some point here. And he's not lost for the season, as was certainly the scare when he went down. Fletch was a key guy, and all these guys being in the condition they're in and changing their bodies. But probably a bigger key guy right now is Paul Schmidt, the trainer. He's the guy that's really in, in charge of the massage and right. and the treatment and keeping it loose and right. deciding the, how the swelling is and things like that. The, the job that Rod Cardinal used to do, remember Rod used to stay up all night with guys. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, from yeah. winners when he got he hurt in the NCAA tournament. From, yeah. So uh, we'll see how it goes though. this afternoon, though, that game at 3.30. One of five Big Ten games, two more tomorrow. Women's basketball, senior day tomorrow against Purdue at uh, the State Farm Center at 2 o'clock. Illinois wrestling tomorrow. Illinois is number 15, taking on number 8, Purdue, at Huff Hall at 1 o'clock. We told you about baseball getting a win and playing again uh, this morning. Illinois softball suffered the first loss, gave up a run in the bottom of the first inning, and lost and one to it. nothing. That was it. Lost one to nothing to Notre Dame. This is down in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. It's really good to see Sickles pitching as well as she is. That's the first run she's given up this season. She had already two wins and two saves the previous weekend. So uh, if you got pitching in, in softball, you got a chance. Notre Dame wins at one nothing. They'll play Notre Dame again today at 2 o'clock and then North Carolina State at 4.30. That's softball. Men's tennis has a couple of home matches on the schedule today. They're going to take on Chicago State and then Notre Dame at 6 o'clock tonight. Women's tennis is in Texas, and uh, the Illini lost to number 20, Texas A&M, 4-1. They're 3-5 and five on the season. They will play at Baylor tomorrow. Men's and women's uh, track teams are at the Music City Challenge in Nashville. Jonathan Wells won the high jump and the long jump yesterday. Women's gymnastics team, ranked 23rd in the country, had a win over Western Michigan, and they will compete tomorrow at Michigan State. High school Basketball, the girls are in regional play, boys in regular season play for coverage on that. News Gazette, check that out this morning, complete coverage of area high school action. It's 914, we're off and rolling, the phone line is open, 356-9397. We'll talk some more Illinois basketball when we come back on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Join us later today for Fighting Illini Men's Basketball at the Rack against Rutgers, should be a good one. 2 o'clock Illini game day, 3.30, the tip from Piscataway. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 9.18 is the time. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. We'll join in progress. Illinois baseball. I suppose if, it was, if it's a pitcher's duel, it might be over about then. But we'll, we'll get a little bit of action. There Illinois, are no more two-hour games. I know. I, you can always <laughs> wish and hope, and hopefully someday that will come back. But probably not. But let's talk uh, Illinois basketball. Scott Ritchie, Illinois beat writer for the uh, News Gazette and frequent contributor on our programs on the radio is with us from New Jersey. Good morning, Scott. Do you know where you're at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a, quite the stretch of travel, but uh, I'm in sunny, albeit sort of cold New Jersey, uh, just kind of waiting, you know, to, to head over to the rack and, you know, my first time there, you know, see what uh, what this rematch between Illinois and Rutgers is going to present. Full disclosure on... The fact that you drove out there, how many miles did you check that out? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure I actually want to know. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, uh, I'm trying to. Or how many hours of driving time? Uh, it was about 13 Okay. by the time you factor in a, a couple stops. Sure. Uh, so 
But I split that between two days. I didn't have a lot of interest in doing that in one haul. Right. So, uh, yeah, kind of yeah, quite a bit of a trip. But, uh, again, I mean, you know, the upside is I get to check another Big Ten arena off my list and then do the same next uh, Tuesday at Penn State. So I'll have all of them down. So you're gonna you're gonna stay out there, and then uh, go from uh, New Jersey to Penn State for the Tuesday game, right? Yeah, it's uh, on the way back, so to speak. <laughs> so I'll just uh, have a, an extra you know, day in between uh, to recharge the batteries, and before I get back on the road again. Illinois and Rutgers today. You heard what uh, Brad Underwood said about uh, the status of I.O. It's day to day. That's probably going to be the. Uh, the key couple of words there until we see him back. Do you uh, have any, would you be surprised if he saw action today? I suppose I would be. Yeah. Um, and just because of the way he went down in that Michigan State game, and obviously no structural damage was you know, really good news for Illinois, but I mean, he was in pain uh, on, on the floor after his slip and fall and even with no structural damage, I mean, he got hurt. I mean, and I think, you know, to expect him back so quickly, you know, would be a bit of a surprise. And now maybe he's fine. And because he's, he sort of has uh, kind of that body type where you think maybe they can, he can absorb something like that. And this sort of Gumby-esque almost, just because he's, you know, so long and, and lean, but, it would be a, a surprise to me if he played. Well, Scott, let's talk about the lineup since uh, we don't know. Uh, we wouldn't expect Iowa to be in the starting lineup, although it's not impossible. But you've got the Georgie situation, who's just been having a really rough time. You've got Griffin and Feliz, both of whom could be starters. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the minutes will be distributed? How much is Georgie going to play today? Well, he. I mean, if Iowa can't go, Georgie probably – plays a little more and just because I think Georgia would probably wind up back in the starting lineup in that situation because I had a just after Alan Griffin started the second half against Michigan State I had this feeling that you know he might slide into the starting lineup maybe just to see if that makes a difference against Rutgers and then not just against Rutgers but just in general Um, but if Io can't go and you still replace Georgie with Allen, then you know, Andres Felice probably starts, and then you're talking a, a really small lineup. And, you know, Rutgers has some pretty good size. And, I mean, they're they're not overly tall, but they're all very physically strong. And I think you, know, just, you need to counter a little bit of that with Georgie, but he also has to play better. And I think, you know, Brad Underwood showed in the Michigan State game that if it's not working, he's, at least at this point, willing to, to make that change. So a lot, I think a lot pivots around if Io plays or not, but if he doesn't, then I think you know the minutes are are probably pretty standard, and Kipper Nichols gets you know, some of Io's minutes. Allen gets probably most of them. Yeah, I, I would think that uh, Georgia would also be uh, backing up Kofi today. That would be one of his two main responsibilities. One's to play the power four one with Kofi, and then the other was to back up Kofi, who can't be expected to play 40 minutes. Uh, and and you bring up a good thing about Nichols, because Nichols is going to have to play today without any doubt. But I'd, I'd just like to see a lineup 
like the one that finished the game against Michigan State, which did not have Georgie in there most of the time and did have Griffin and Felice in there, I, I don't know what's holding – I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want those guys in all the time. I don't, I don't know what, what reason would you give not to play each of them 40 minutes. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I could give you know, the reason. Uh, it was just – but Brad Underwoods, he, he kind of has this – the way he does things. and Right. Uh, he's he's shortened his rotation this year, certainly. I mean, he's not playing 10 guys like he has in the past, but he just has an idea about, you know, minutes and how they're distributed and, you know, that that he settled on, you know, a rotation for, you know, the the bulk of the season that just he just finally tinkered with again in the Michigan State game with, you know, Allen playing more than Georgie. Kind of tells me that things aren't going to be – Changed greatly, but uh, well, let, a, a let me ask more, you. Let me ask you a question. A more flexibility. There's a lot of talk about the four. Let me ask you a question. Who's the better rebounder, Georgie or Griffin? In your opinion, Al I'll, Griffin. Yeah, I was going to okay. say I'll vote. I'll, I'll take okay. Griffin. Well, if Al, if Griffin's a better rebounder, what's the consider? Why is why are we talking about two inches of height or so? I mean, what's the difference? If he's a better rebounder, that means that you have somebody in there that's able to go against their big people more efficiently than the other guy can, than Georgie can, because he's a better rebounder. If he's a better rebounder, what else do you need to know? I know he's a better shooter. Well, <laughs> If he's a better shooter and a better rebounder, why isn't he in there? Defense, is he a better defender? I, I'll ask you. Well, I think it's... It's a size question because I mean Georgie's four inches taller and forty inches heavier, and in the Big Ten that sometimes matters because there's teams that can throw that type of size, you know, at Illinois. And just looking at Rutgers, I mean, their quote unquote four is uh, a Kwasi Yaboa. He's six six two thirty. I mean that's and he's a super physical player, and that would be a thing asking Alan Griffin to guard him for. You know, long stretches is is a lot, and you know Georgie, and he'll probably pick up some fouls, but can physically handle that matchup. And I mean, if you look at, I mean, just last year, Aaron Jordan, good rebounder, just terribly undersized, and played the four almost the entire season, and it didn't work. And I think there's, I think this, Alan Griffin maybe me have to do that in small stretches is a workable solution but maybe not for an entire game another couple of minutes with scott ritchie who was out in new jersey to cover the ball game this afternoon the illini and rutgers the first of two tough games out east penn state on tuesday night this one to me it looks like might be the more winnable of the two but i say that and the team you're playing today is 16 and 0 at home but they've shown a little vulnerability of late so what do you think is going to happen I mean, these teams are just so similar, and basically every simple statistic and advanced metric and kind of the style of play um, that, I mean, it was a 54-51 game in Champaign. I won't be surprised if neither team cracked 60 points again uh, today. And, you know, Rutgers has lost three of its last four and you know, has six losses in the Big Ten 
Only one of those came by more than six points. That was Michigan State back in December. It was a 12-point game, and I mean they're in every game they play. So it, I mean, I think it's you know a bit of a bit of a coin toss, probably. And well, discuss yeah for us something about the rack, the trapezoid of doom, or whatever they want to call it that that has confounded teams this year. So Illinois, you know. Has gone on the road and won places they they haven't in you know a decade plus. So maybe they can be the first to to win in Rutgers today. Talk about Geo Baker and the fact that he did not play earlier against Illinois. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, well, I guess what's kind of surprised me is uh, since he came back off of his injury that he's been coming off the bench uh, for Rutgers in every game since. But he's. Just adds a kind of another talented score to the mix, and not that Rutgers is ever going to score a lot of points, but he can get a bucket if if called upon, and he's another. He's just adds to their ability, you know, when they play essentially four guys between six four and six six or six seven on the wing, where there's a lot of just positionless ability they have there and you know that can they can switch on everything defensively um, offensively they can all kind of run every spot you know outside the five and I mean he's a, a veteran guy at this point as a junior and he's been solid for, for them since day one essentially and then gives them a, a steady presence and I don't know if he'll be the the reason you know the result flips from the game in Champaign, but he's certainly not going to hurt Rutgers. Hey, Scott, appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the East Coast, and uh, we'll see you maybe sometime next week if you decide to come back. Yeah, I mean, I'll be back. I'm just not sure. <laughs> really <win. laughs> All right, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, and enjoy the ball game, and uh, work hard this afternoon for us. Okay, will do. Yep. Scott Ritchie with us from Piscataway, New Jersey, as we're at the uh, bottom of the hour, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. More Illinois basketball talk is ahead. Doug Altenberger will join us at 10. He's working the game today with Brian Barnhart today and Tuesday. Altenberger will be uh, doing color to uh, Brian Barnhart's play-by-play on Illinois basketball. We'll visit with him at 10 o'clock. Stay with us. We're back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Join us later today for Fighting Illini Men's Basketball at the Rack against Rutgers. Should be a good one. 2 o'clock, Illini game day, 3.30, the tip from Piscataway. Brian Barnhart working today with Doug Altenberger on the broadcast, Illinois and Rutgers. That tip, as he mentioned, shortly after 3.30 Central Time out in New Jersey. Phone line is open. Let's go to the phones. Alan in Montrose is with us. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. How are you doing? We're fine. How are you? Not too bad. To me, uh, the key to this game is simply Geo Baker. I've seen too many games of him where he comes in late, especially if they're behind. He takes over the game pretty much. And somehow, someway, you can't let him do that. Uh, I'm not sure how he did, but you may even have to double-team him and leave somebody open. I mean, you know, pick your poison type of thing. But uh, when he gets it going, especially at home, he's tough to stop. 
He really is. I, I, that shot he made against Northwestern when Northwestern basically had him beat the whole game, and he just stepped. Yeah. He made an impossible, not an impossible, but he just made a really difficult step back three that uh, brought him within one point, and then they managed to pull the game out. But he's um, he is a horse. I mean, he he is really good, and and uh, we don't know how fortunate we are that he didn't play at in Champaign because he's a different oh, yeah. he's a difference maker. He's the best player, I think. He would have made up the three points that they lost by against us at home, my opinion. That, that's the way it goes. Uh, I hate for it to be that simple. If we have I.O., we have a decent shot at it. But if we don't, I don't know. I just can't see it. Well, we've um, seen a lot of things that we can't understand this year, is all I'll say. There oh, yeah. a lot of things that happened that – we look up the very the, the very next day and say, "Wait a minute, how could that be?" And and we just do it week after day after day, week after week, like it's uh, we're always astounded by what happens. But uh, of course, the big thing is the home court. Their uh, their record is seventeen and eight. Their home record is sixteen and zero. Let's see if we can figure out <laughs> what the difference is uh, when they're on the road. If, if my subtraction addition is correct, they're one and eight otherwise. And Northwestern right? Northwestern yeah. led them at home virtually the entire game. Yeah, I know. Until I watched, it got to overtime. Yeah, I watched that game. I I couldn't believe it. But they've had a lot of close games. They're just really good in close games, and they're really, really, really good at home. It's just a different team at home. Well, it was a few weeks ago. I thought they were the best team in the Big Ten, but except they could never win on the road. Now I've uh, kind of switched to. Well, I was. Well, Penn State, Maryland. They they have even lost two games on neutral courts. Steve, we looked that up the other day. They lost at Madison Square Garden, and they lost a, an earlier game against St. Bonnie on a neutral court. And all I will tell you is, they aren't going to play in the NCAA tournament at home. I don't think. I don't think they're going to host. Do you? No. Not in an eight thousand seat gym. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, there's something different there, and, and one of these days, I mean, uh, Northwestern had them beat at home, so it can happen. It can happen, and, you, I mean, playing Felice is not the worst thing that ever happened for Illinois. Why he isn't playing more, I don't know. I mean, he's in, in some cases, he's been the best player on the court. Well, I've been saying the same thing about Griffin. Why hasn't he been playing more? I mean, uh... Well, he hasn't he hasn't done what Felice has done. He hasn't he hasn't come. He you know there were games there right before Felice was uh, held out. He had two games or he had three points in each game, and he didn't shoot well. I mean, the, the uh, I, know. I know. But uh, but, but I'm with you. But I'm with you. I, I like him in there because I think when he shoots, you got you you think he's got a chance of going in. And when and they are not guarding Georgie. I mean, before the game. Underwood explained before the Michigan State game, he explained, and he, t he told this to the quarterback club this week, that I told uh, Georgie specifically that Izzo is not going to guard you. You are going to be open. Do not shoot. That's what he told him. And the first thing I saw was he shot, and then he shot again, and then he shot a third time from way out, three, three, uh, three open threes, actually, and was never close yep. on any of them. They weren't close. And, you know, he just had a really rough game, and, and then he became, he, obviously, the last time he was in, you could tell how upset he was. He could have gotten a technical foul when he elbowed the guy. And um, so, you know, I, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know how where Georgie's mind is right now, but it's got to be tough to to be removed from your from a position that you excelled at, and now he doesn't even excel there when he gets a chance because he's spending most of his time at at you know uh, 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 with Kofi in the center. So that's just. Well, there are also referees are also uh, picking on him on the legal screens too, and for the life of me, I can't see what he's doing different than a lot of others are. But he gets called. Ah, at least a couple times a game. Yeah, that's true. And those are turnovers. Yes. Hey, Alan, thanks for the call. Yep, thank you. You bet. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to weigh in on today's ball game. What you think uh, might happened happen out in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey? By the way, Ed Bond was at the shoot around this morning uh, with uh, the Illini at the uh, rack, and the picture that he posted. I could not find Io in the picture. That doesn't mean he wasn't in the training room, which is probably where he was, but uh, not on the court at that particular moment. So we'll kind of follow that as the uh, morning goes along. But uh, I think you got to prepare in your mind that he's not going to play, and then if something beyond that happens, then uh, they'll deal with that at the time. Speaking of Io, earlier this week, he was named uh, the uh, to the Naismith Trophy midseason team, 30 players named to the midseason watch list of, you will, from the Atlanta Tip-Off Club, the 30 midseason candidates for the 2020 Citizen Naismith Trophy Men's Player of the Year. And at the same time, just this last week, he's moved up to number 34 in the main uh, mock draft by the NBA, 34 being at the, near the top of the second round. Right. 30 people in the first round. He is high in the, in the second round. That is a move up from where he was. And, of course, if he could finish strong, he could still get back in that uh, first round, which is what his goal is, um, certainly, uh, to be in that first round of, of the draft. Other Big Ten players named on this uh, Naismith midseason list besides Io are Luca Garza, Iowa, Daniel Oturu, Minnesota, Jalen Smith, Maryland, Lamar Stevens, Penn State, Caleb Wesson, Ohio State, and Cassius Winston, Michigan State. So the Big Ten represented well on that particular list. Those other games in uh, the Big Ten today, Purdue is at Ohio State, Buckeyes favored there by four and a half, Northwestern at Penn State, Penn State uh, a 13-point favorite. The only road team that's favored today is Wisconsin playing at Nebraska. They're a six-point favorite there. Michigan State a seven-point favorite over Maryland. I'm not that's sure about big. That. Yeah. That's huge. I'm not sure about that one myself. That uh, you know, I is is Rocket Watts going to be this good? I mean, th- this is the first time he's really against Illinois. That's the first time he's broken out. Well, one thing you know about him, at least what I've seen so far, is he's not going to pass it. So when he gets it, you better guard him. You might as well put two guys on him <laughs> because right. he's, he's going to let one fly. He's going to try one, and see how it goes, and it went well for him against Illinois. Illinois and Rutgers, and Rutgers a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Here's uh, Brad Underwood talking about today's game. Another great opportunity, and uh, and what's the toughest league in America? You go to a team that's 16-0 and at home. Uh, they haven't lost at home. They're selling out every single night. Um, you talk to the other coaches in the league, and they'll tell you it's, a lot, it's the loudest arena uh, in the league, uh, and that's uh, been a, an unbelievable adrenaline rush for, for Rutgers. Uh, since the last time we played them, uh, they didn't have Gio uh, in that game. Gio's been back. He's been a, a, a really, really probably the premier clutch performer 
Uh, they've had a lot of close games, and Gio has hit literally every shot. He's been uh, the epitome of clutch uh, for them um, literally all year. And, and I haven't seen a game where he's not made the, the play to win. And, uh, you know, it's one of the better defensive teams in the country. It's a team that uh, extremely active hands, they're physical, and uh, they're a team that uh, rebounds basketball very, very well. Brad Underwood talking about the Scarlet Knights, today's competition in Big Ten action. Let's go back to the phones. Another Allen is with us, Allen in Urbana this time. Go ahead, Allen. Hey, um, I'm not complaining. I just want to make an observation. Um, when Tevian came back, we had a couple non-conference games, and he never played in those at all. And when he has played, he's only been in for like two or three minutes. Is he not doing well in practice, or is he still in the doghouse, or what's up with that? I don't know if we can answer whether he's in – I don't think he's in the doghouse anymore. I think that uh, his uh, improvement in practice was uh, – Mentioned the other day by Underwood uh, prior to the game, but because he was the first guy off the bench, yeah, in that game, yeah. But I, I yeah. just don't. Yeah. I, I think that he is not performing as expected on the court. I guess is the only thing I can say. I haven't yeah. seen anything. I'm just thinking that they sh- they should have played him, you know, back in the preseason games to get him acclimated and get him going. But, I mean, this has been a wasted season for him. I bet you he hasn't played 30 minutes the whole season. Yeah, yeah, but when he's in there, and it's not just him, but when a guy that you want to see play is in there and you, you see him put up a shot, whether he makes it or not, watch him and see what he does on the other end when they go back to defense. I mean, that's if you're not playing defense, you're not going to stay in there very long. And I'm not signaling him out, uh, but uh, that's, there's a key factor. There's more than just getting in there and firing up some shots to uh, justify playing minutes. Yep, yep. I just don't think he's had a chance this year. And so, I, like I say, I was wondering if he was not performing in practice or some other issue that we don't know about. Well, there are issues related to him without any doubt uh, for yeah. two years. And that's why uh, Underwood went out and brought in the two players that are going to be eligible next year because I don't know if he if he knows for sure that Tevian's going to be around next year. I mean, I they've got uh, – Hutcherson and Granderson ready to play next year, and they are in roughly the same size class. I mean, Jones is a little bit taller, but that really doesn't matter that much. I mean, an inch or two, but uh, I I just think that uh, he has had problems throughout his time here and uh, not the kind that would lead a coach to have confidence in. I mean, that's just a fact of life. I mean, the record shows him he's he's been suspended both years. Uh, looking forward to next year. I think we'll be better next year than we are this year. So, okay. Very good. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Alan. We appreciate it. If you'd like to jump in, feel free, 356-9397. I don't know if Andre Corbello is playing this weekend or not. I think for some reason I think maybe he's off. Well, they just had a game where he had 10, 10, and yeah. 10 points and 10 assists. I, I start looking forward to those uh, little highlights on Twitter these days. Me too. The way he Me handles too. the ball and breaks the press and yep. passes it to himself through the legs of <laughs> other defenders. That'll be fun when he gets here, but there's a lot of basketball yet to be played before that happens. We'll continue to talk about it. We'd love to hear from you on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It's 945 with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're back after this. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 
Phone line is open at this time if you'd like to join us. We'd love to hear from you, 356-9397. We talked Illinois basketball with uh, Scott Ritchie earlier. We've heard some comments from Brad Underwood on today's game against the Rutgers. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen beyond the next couple of ball games? Illinois, at this moment, has four road games, Lauren, and three home games. The road games are two in a row at uh, Rutgers and Penn State. Still got to go to Northwestern. Has to, they have to go to Columbus. And then uh, Illinois has Indiana, Iowa, and Nebraska at home. Not in that order, but kind of in reverse order. Uh, Indiana or Nebraska, Indiana, Iowa. I don't know what to think of Indiana. They blew out uh, Iowa the other night with a, just a series of three-point shots. They brought Green off the bench and get five out of six before the game even got going very far. It was incredible. I mean, he was shooting with people right in his face, long threes, and they all went in, and all of a sudden, you know, 15 points like that, and they had that lead, and they just held the lead all the way against Iowa. Iowa's defense is not very good, and they can't take it on the road. That zone won't work on the road. It just, some reason, it doesn't. Teams shoot better at home. I said this a while ago, probably not long after the Iowa game, that that Illinois-Iowa game in Champaign on the last day of the regular season coming up <laughs> could mean a lot. Oh, yeah. As far as oh, yeah. not only the NCAA tournament, but seeding in the Big Ten tournament. And uh, certainly there's no love lost between uh, those two teams right now. And uh, so that could be fun. Let's go back to the phones real quick. And Rob in Thomasboro is with us. Hey, Rob. Hey, what's going on, Lauren and Steve? I just wanted to call you last night. I was down at Tuscola. And Jalen Quinn down at Tuscola, he had a heck of a game at 31 last night, went over 1,000 points, and he's just a sophomore. But I just wanted to let you guys, this kid's a pretty special player, and I, you know, like I said, well, he's done some visits, but like I said, pretty pretty amazing as a sophomore just to be ahead 1,000 points, and just wanted to let you know about that. Well, well you've, how- se- you've seen some guys before over, the, over time, but do uh, you think he's a Big Ten player at this point? Yeah, right now I think he's. I mean, he's still young. He's going to have to grow, you know, grow and get a little stronger and bigger. But boy, he's got some skills, and he's a uh, he's a nice player. And like I said, with this, just keep hoping, you know, he'll get better. And hopefully, as I know, Chen was in the team a couple weeks ago, and he went down to Missouri last weekend for a visit in Indiana State on Sunday. So he's been they've been looking at him. So hopefully, we just he just gets better. Well, book. Tell me, who's the best team in the in the region? Is is it Muhammad Seymour? How good is Tuscola compared to Muhammad? Well, I don't know. I think I don't think I don't think uh, I think Muhammad's probably a little stronger, probably uh, than they are. The best team, I can't really honestly tell you. I I've been pretty impressed, well, obviously, with Urbana, and, and their record doesn't indicate that. But man, they played a lot of good teams. Now the loss to Muhammad the other night was. You know, getting beat that bad's not good, but then they turn around and won the other night. But uh, I would have to say probably around here at big schools, Lincoln's probably the best team I've yeah. seen. Yeah, well, they're, they're kind of out of our region, though. I, I mean, you know, out of the ones I've been talking, I'm thinking about. But are, are the teams right around the News Gazette here? Would you, you you'd say maybe Muhammad and maybe Urbana, huh? I mean, yeah, I think what, maybe what about Muhammad Danville? Well, that's the whole thing. I think Danville's probably your best team if they were healthy, but they've never been healthy because Tevin Smith's been hurt all year, and then the Hightower kid was sick there for a long time, and they've just never kind of got their groove back. But uh, if Danville has everyone, yeah, they would probably be they'd be right there because I tell you, Tevin's a heck of a player. All right, good stuff. Appreciate the call. Okay, thank you guys. Bye bye. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number as we. 
move towards the 10 o'clock hour. There are, in this week's AP poll, which I don't know how big a deal it is these days when when you talk about uh, the polls as opposed to the other methods of determining who's the best teams, but there's only four Big Ten teams in the top 25, Maryland, Penn State, Iowa, and Illinois. But if you went to the next 10, there'd be a half a dozen. Well, (laughs) also receiving votes are Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan, and Rutgers. You're right. Um, I guess my question is going towards if the Big Ten is as tough as people think it is with 10 or 11 teams, why are there not more than four in the top 25? And who has the best chance, you think, in, in postseason of moving along? Well, I think it's, I, I think it's fairly clear that uh, Penn State, uh, Michigan State, and Maryland are the three best teams. I don't know. What do you think? I agree with that. I, I, and as far as the NCAA is concerned, I don't, when you start trying to compare teams that have been through the, the mill the way these teams have, are going through, and then you take San Diego State and, and let's say they're number one, and they're going to maybe be undefeated for the season. And you take Dayton. I don't know how good Dayton. I know Dayton's good, but are they? If they were in the Big Ten, how many games would they lose? How many games would Gonzaga lose if they were in the Big Ten? I don't know, but I just know that these teams are all highly competitive. But I, we I, we don't have a championship team here. Doesn't mean that somebody couldn't rise up and win it. But these are not teams that we see right now as as national championship teams. There aren't that many great players in in the country even. So the whole country is kind of balanced. I was going to say, you could say that about the whole country yeah. as far as a well, ACC, national championship caliber team. ACC is down further than it's ever been. They may only get three teams in the, in the tournament. Now, that's unbelievable. The ACC is down. And, and, and then you start talking about Creighton and, and Butler and, and, Mar- and Mar- Marquette and these teams. I mean, they're all good teams, but I don't know if they're any better than, than the team. And they may be ranked ahead of teams in the Big Ten, but – I don't know that they're better. The Big 12 is not better than the Big 10 top to bottom, but it's, I think it's better at the top. Well, I think Kansas yeah. is good, and yeah. I think Baylor's yeah. good. Yeah, and, and I think Texas Tech's good. I don't know how good, but I think that those are teams that could make a run. I mean, Texas Tech made a run to the Final Four last year, and Kansas certainly could do it. It's another good Bill Self team. You know, another key thing once the NCAA tournament starts, and this kind of scares me every year just by the way that Big 10 teams play against each other. And how physical it is, how rough it is. That doesn't always play well mm-hmm. in the, in the postseason against with refs that haven't seen that kind of play. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's that's a worry every time, every year because the the Big Ten is more physical, and the Big Ten is the, the level of defense is borne out by how physical they are. You're seeing better defense in this league. That's why that's why there's there's legitimate concern at Iowa because they don't play defense the way the other teams play. And every year toward the end of the season, they seem to have a February swoon. And maybe that's an, over, maybe that's an exaggeration, but there's a feeling out there right now, is this going to happen again? And I think if you, you know, the, the defense is huge in, in the Big Ten. It's just huge. And Illinois is one of the leaders in defense, and that's why they've made such a big move this year. I mean, Illinois and Penn State, of the three teams in the country, that have made the biggest turnaround, two of them are Illinois and Penn State. And, yeah, you're right. It, and the other is West Virginia. Exactly. The Underwood-Huggins matchup or <laughs> yeah. comparison there. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, five games today, two more tomorrow. Indiana plays at Michigan. 
Iowa plays at Minnesota. I guess you got to, from an Illinois standpoint, you root for the Golden Gophers to win that game at home tomorrow. Yeah, I, I've been in, uh, had a tendency all season long just to root for the home team because if you get a road win, that's huge. Illinois got some road wins that are really huge and they they they're really important. But you you can't stop now. This this what what happens in the next month is really going to be critical. I mean, right through the Big Ten tournament. Got a chance to talk a little bit with Alan Griffin about. Uh, the state of Illinois basketball right now. And he had a, and you'll hear it here in just a minute, but he had a interesting point towards the end of his thoughts about where things are right now. But here is Alan Griffin talking about playing on the road. We could play on the road. Uh, we proved that uh, in the last couple of road games, you know, we, we, we on the road, it's a whole different mindset and we prepare for it uh, even more than home games, even though it should be the same preparedness, but we prepare more for road games, you know, get some road kills. Even though we're going without, without Iowa, that just means fight more. That's all it means. Things we can take away is just go harder, you know, uh, keep fighting. You know, that doesn't mean, since we lost, lost three in a row, that doesn't mean stop, you know, don't stop playing or give up. You know, we still got a whole seven, eight games left, or something like that. So, you know, come out with those wins. Uh, we lost, thing is, we lost against Michigan State, went on a seven-game win streak. We lost against Michigan State again, looking, got seven more games left. Looking to do the same thing. That'd be a nice way to do that. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they need to get the lid off the month of February, and today be a good place to start that at Rutgers. Moving up towards the top of the hour, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is coming up. Doug Altenberger will join us after this. The phone lines will stay open if you'd like to join us. Back with more after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. We're with you until 11 o'clock this morning. And we're going to join... Illinois baseball coverage, the Illini playing as we speak down in uh, North Carolina. Game number two of the season. They won their season opener last night against uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee by a score of 3-2. to two. So they're off to a 1-0 start, and we'll join that game in progress. It started at uh, 9 o'clock, so we'll get uh, maybe the last uh, couple of innings with Scott Beatty on the play-by-play when we're done here coming up an hour from now. Illinois and Rutgers in basketball this afternoon at 3.30 out east. Doug Altenberger is covering the ball game with Brian Barnhart today. And Doug is on the line with us from Piscataway, New Jersey. Dougie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's uh, it's a little cold here. So the <laughs> cold that we had uh, a couple of days is, you know, I didn't know that the weather traveled that far east. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cold this morning. But anyway, you guys had a nice shoot around and uh, hopefully they're ready to go. Just wanted to remind you, there are two uh, campuses of Rutgers University. One in, <laughs> one in uh, uh, Piscataway. One, well, the main was in Piscataway slash New Brunswick. Okay. The other's in yeah. Newark. Well, okay. And, uh, I think Doug might have had an experience yeah. in Newark. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a funny story. It tells you how much I know about. This was about three years ago. So uh, I stayed in New York. And I hopped in the uh, the cab or or to go to to uh, New Jersey. I mean to uh, Rutgers. So I get over there. And I'm like in New New Brunswick, and the guy goes, "Well, you're here." And I'm like, 
uh, I think we got a, this is Rutgers? He goes, yeah. I go, so I'm, I'm scratching my head for a few minutes. I said, Mom, I'm kind of, he goes, oh, you're talking about the other Rutgers. <laughs> he had to drive me back down another half hour, so it was a little embarrassing. And believe me, Brian Barnhart was all over me, giving me a hard time. But uh, it showed up. You know, we usually leave a little early anyway, just in case. But uh, it was it was a little embarrassing. But yeah, Rutgers is it's sort of like uh, Illinois. They've got two campuses. You know, UIC and then the other. Yeah. One, fortunately, isn't as far as Champaign, but. Uh, it's a it's a tough place to play at the rack. That's for sure. Well, they're sixteen and zero at the rack and playing very well. Of course, this is a rematch. Illinois won by three, fifty four fifty one, earlier this season. Here, do you expect that kind of ball game again? Yeah, these are very two very similar teams. Um, you know, they like to go downhill, um, and they're not great three point shooting teams. They stress defense. And they do, uh, and they do play really good. Uh, they're good rebound, two uh, really good rebounding teams. Um, you know, Rutgers plays, uh, shoots a little bit better uh, at home, obviously, um, a little more comfortable there. Um, but uh, they're they're not a great three-pointing shooting team. And uh, Northwestern really was able to exploit that. They weren't able to finish, but uh, took them into overtime. Um, just got to make sure, you know, defensively, you, you got to look for the drive first when you close out. You know, if anything, let them shoot those outside jump shots, and if they make a few, then you've got to adjust. But all in all, they're not a good three-point shooting team, so we've got to keep those guys in front of us. Ohio State did a great job in Columbus, and uh, they really struggled in uh, trying to get shots off. And then, you know, they do a little bit of screen and roll at the top of the key uh, with their bigs like we do with Kofi. So they're, they're, this, these teams are very similar uh, in the way they attack offensively and the way they, they play defensively. So I, I, I think this has got to be a meat grinder type game uh, for us to win. And uh, I, don't, I don't think Rutgers is going to out, you know, they're not going to out offensive you. They just don't have that firepower. How do you see the Illini rotation today? And and I well, guess I would ask you, you don't expect, a, I, don't, I don't expect Iowa to play, do you? No, no, I don't expect him at all. I think he's going to have to take some time off uh, and, uh, you know, and, and peel. But uh, I, I would think that, um, you know, I, I like Allen a lot. Griff. I, you know, he, he made some mistakes down the straight uh, down the stretch against Michigan State. Some of those were a little at the end of the game where he got caught on, uh, I'm going brain dead, the bigs from, uh, from Michigan State. Someone said, you know, that was Kofi's guy. There was a little lack of communication. We didn't come over and help double team him, and then he, he made that bucket. And then we did the screen and roll. They did the screen and roll at the end of the game. And Allen, instead of uh, when your big when your big guy goes to block a shot, the jobs of the rest of the guys is to block out because that guy is released, and no one picked up picked him up, and then he was able to put that putback for a dunk. That Allen was on the weak side, so you know, little things like that. But Allen plays with no fear. He brings a lot to the uh, brings a lot of energy, um, and you know I, I I just I just feel like it's a great opportunity for him to step up. Uh, and uh, I think he'll he'll be ready. I don't know if he's going to start or not yet, but um, I think it's a game time situation, you know. And Felice is fearless; he plays hard. Um, so I, I would think that maybe those guys—that's what I would do. But uh, Georgie right now is—he's um, just you know watching tape on him. He's just making a lot of. Not, not only is not scoring, which I don't really—that does not a big deal with me. But boy, he's just making a lot of little mistakes out there and uh it's 
and he's not uh, he's not playing he's playing not he's not running the floor hard enough, um, and and he just needs to get back to forget about all the other stuff and just play hard and play play defense and rebound. There's so much more that he could provide to the table, and uh, you know I think maybe sitting him down a little bit and bringing him in man might be an option. I, I don't I don't have the feel like Brad does, but if I was coaching, that's probably what I'd do. Well, uh, uh, in terms of approach to the game, in, in terms of uh, up and down, that sort of thing, Illinois was able to – in the Michigan State game, they got to running. If you remember previously, they only had three fast-break points in a previous game. And this game, the thing that broke it open to, for me was the fact they started running, and, of course, Iowa was a big part of that. Can they do that against Rutgers? Is, will Rutgers permit it? No, that? no, they're not going to – they're not going to be able to run. Rutgers gets watching Rutgers. They get back defensively as anybody uh, in the and they they do a real, their offense is so such like a ball control. So they're not going to turn it over. Um, you know, it, so you're not going to get uh, a lot of easy buckets off Rutgers. It's just that's one of the one of the things they do defensively really well. But what we need to do, like we did in Michigan, uh, a little bit against the Maryland, we, you know, we forget about Kofi. And it's not that he's not going to score, but he he's he can do so much for us by being more active. Now, when I say more active, what I mean is look for the guy, get him his touches. You know, second half against Maryland, we just forgot about him. We started shooting the three. We, we just got away from what got us to, to be 8-2. and two. Um, And, you know, probably the worst thing that happened to us in that first half was against Maryland, for example. We, we, uh, we started shooting threes, and we made a few, and, you know, we got the crowd all involved. And I think the, the young guys just assumed that, listen, we're at home and we're going to win. And we're playing against two veteran teams, and, and they took the punch, and, and they counterpunched. And the second half of Maryland, we just – just got away from getting the ball inside. We're doing too much one-on-one. Police was flying in there, going crazy, and um, you know, uh, I mean, he just took some crazy shots. Uh, Everybody was trying to do it one-on-one, and then Michigan State became out flatter than a pancake, and you just can't do that against a team like Michigan State, especially older guys. Now, we came back and and made a run at them, but I mean, you're at home. I mean, that crowd against Michigan State, I, I don't know if the guys have really you know, since they've been there, back-to-back games, Maryland and Michigan State ever had. You know, we've seen it, Lauren and Steve, because we've been around. And but that—that's the biggest crowd they've ever seen. They, they've never had the energy in the State Farm Center. And I, I think, I think they got uh, all caught up in the emotional part of it and got and, and made a lot of little mistakes. I mean, that Michigan State game, the last two minutes—if we take care of business and we do what we do, we win by four or five. And we just had some breakdowns defensively that uh, I know Brad and staff won't talk are talking to his guys and say, hey, listen, we got to tighten that up down the stretch. And if we do, we win that game. Um, that was a game that could, you know, we came back from, and the crowd was into it. Michigan State was stunned, and we just let them off the hook that last minute and a half with some bad, uh, without communicating defensively. Maybe it was too loud. I mean, Brad talks about yelling and talking and. Guys couldn't hear each other because it was so loud. Um, I don't know, but you know, for Allen gets stuck on on the bigs from Michigan State. Kofi's got to come over, or someone's got a double team. They clear out. He scores, and then the, ne- the next time down, they do a you know pick and roll at the top, and uh, we don't seal because Kofi goes to block the shot. Just little details like that. But you know, that's 
I just think that uh, uh, now we got our hands full because we're going on the road to two tough venues, and uh, we've lost three in a row. So somehow we've got to find a way to win a game here on the road. Another couple of minutes with Doug Altenberger working uh, the radio broadcast today with Brian Barnhart on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. You missed the season back in the day with uh, a knee problem. It's different than Io's because Io's did not involve structural damage. But what, from your experience, what's the big challenge now for him? What What is the indicator that's going to say when he might be able to return? Well, uh, you know, whether it's knee or his ankle, or I'm not sure, uh, whatever it is. But first thing you got to do is if it's a knee, you know, let's take that, is, is that you got to get the swelling out of there. Um, you can't play with swelling on your knee. I mean, you can, but you can't. And then the second thing is, is that uh, as that swelling drops, uh, it goes into your ankle. It, it, you know, gravity uh, eventually gets it out of there. So then you've got the soreness. And then the soreness you can actually play through. Um, you know, you could get out there and you know, smell the and, and, and work through work through it. Then after you get them, is there did the swelling come back? If the swelling doesn't come back, then you know you can keep going harder and harder and play through that soreness. So for him, you know, it's just going through that sort of uh, those different phases of, of, of healing and getting better. Um, so you know, for him, it's 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 you know probably staying on the bike, keeping some of your cardiovascular, shooting some shots, you know, trying to stay as sharp as you can as you're going through this process of uh, getting back to 100 uh, percent. The doctors are now are so much they've got so much more technology, so. They can look at to see, okay, is there any more damage, uh, you know, what level you're at, things of that nature. So, you know, the most important thing is Io is going to have a great career after college, and so you don't want to, sort of like what Zion happened with, with Duke, just want to take it slow, and, uh, you know, hopefully he can get back as soon as he can. I mean, he's probably, you know, for me, watching him last, especially this season, even last, the last few minutes of a ball game he's he's as clutch as anybody in the country and he's, he's hit some huge shots for us made big free throws he's just done it all for us and winning games down the stretch and that's really where you know he's played great but you know the Trent Frazier's now got to be the alpha he's got to step up and say this is my team uh he's got to get it's a different type now you know if Allen starts he's got to help Allen get him in the right spot he's got to talk to everybody's got to work together and Trent's got to step up and, and and really say oh, take ownership of, of the leadership and get people, especially on the offensive side. He's got to stay out of foul trouble as well. That's really hurt us uh, offensively because we sort of lose our way when he's not out there directing traffic. Hey, Doug, appreciate your time, my friend. We'll uh, be listening this afternoon on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. All right, guys. Thanks, uh, Doug. Let's get a win. Let's beat the... It's a big one at the rack. We'll see what happens. Thanks. Yeah, talk to you soon. Doug Altenberger with us. Going to talk some more Illinois basketball from uh, maybe a Michigan State point of view. Jack Ebling is with us from East Lansing, uh, the drive with Jack Ebling. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, sorry, I just missed you earlier. We had uh, game day, and we have it here. And uh, between that and the reunion of the 2000 National Championship team, the last one the Big Ten has had, uh, it's kind of crazy this morning. Yeah, Michigan State has Maryland in town uh, later today, a big ball game there. We'll uh, touch on that a little bit, but let's go back to Tuesday night just for yeah. a moment in that uh, Michigan State game with uh, with uh, 
Illinois coming back from a big deficit and uh, taking the lead late. And then, of course, Tillman with a big dunk late. And then Io going down. A lot happened there in the last uh, the last couple of minutes of uh, real time there at the State Farm Center. Absolutely. Uh, that was the best 22 minutes of basketball Michigan State's played all year, uh, <laughs> building that, that lead and was up 20 with 17.58 to go. And then the Illini came back, and what a crowd they had at the State Farm Center. Lauren, I think that was as good a crowd as I've seen in Champaign, and that's saying something. And then uh, Illinois goes up by one uh, after the Coburn free throws, and uh, three guys tried to block that last shot, I think, and uh, left Tillman all alone for the putback slam. And I was really thinking, okay, uh, here comes Io. He's going to do it again. And uh, then his leg went out from under him, and I just – Thank goodness he's going to be okay long term. You know, we were talking, Jack, that uh, Michigan State's home against Maryland today. That that's a big game for both teams, and and Mar- Michigan State is a seven point favorite in that game. How do you explain that? I don't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I would think that uh, uh, it's going to be a toss up game. I certainly wouldn't give anybody seven points or six and a half. I think it just went down a half point. Uh, I would think that uh, these teams are just about the same, and Maryland's been playing a little bit better. Uh, Michigan State really had to get that win Tuesday, a little bit like your situation, guys. Uh, You can go to a five-game skid in a hurry here, and Michigan State already had three of them. So a loss to the Illinois and a loss to Maryland, and suddenly uh, you know your uh, train is off the track. So. Uh, I would think that Michigan State really needs this win and has the toughest schedule of all the contenders the rest of the way. Well, Jack, I'm I'm going to switch over to uh, Mel Tucker for a moment. Um, yeah, it sounds like you uh, you you must have Michigan State must have robbed the bank uh, this uh, past week. Uh, what is that? Five and a half million dollars for how many years? Uh, six years. <laughs> so I don't know where that money's coming from, Lauren. Uh, they're going to be hitting all the alumni. They might even. Uh, check with you the spartans here, but uh, <laughs> well, i don't know where they're going to get that money i guess winning solves a lot of things i said he's coming to michigan state on the jim delaney scholarship uh-huh. because if it wasn't for btn and some you of the television revenue it would never happen well it just seems like it's an extreme but take us through the the uh was 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 Fickle actually offered the job from Cincinnati? Was he? No, he wasn't offered the job. A lot of people thought he had been. Uh-huh. And he looked like the clear favorite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody now has ever offered the job. It's a conditional thing where they talk terms and they say, now, if we were to offer you the job, yeah, uh, you know, how would you react? And uh, he'd given indications that he was going to uh, want to come to East Lansing. But the athletic director was doing interviews and wasn't in position to actually offer a job that can only be done by the board of trustees and it wasn't going to be done till monday but by monday uh morning he had already decided with his family he's got six kids including two sets of twins no kidding that he was going to stay at cincinnati and there were probably a lot of reasons that went into that but michigan state said okay so that's one of the top two choices is off the list they'd already gotten an indication uh, from Mel Tucker, that after one year uh, at Colorado, he was content to try to build that program, but they went back to him, and it was kind of a dream job for him. He had been here before. He'd worked with Nick Saban three different times, 
and also with Jim Trestle, got two national championships that way, and it coached at Georgia and been an interim head coach in the NFL down Jacksonville with an owner you know, and um, decided that, hey, he's never going to have another opportunity like this. And one thing about a job like Colorado, guys, if you go there and you don't win big, it might be your last good chance, especially if you're a black coach. So he said, uh, as long as I have the money to make this work, I have the resources, I have facility pledges, I have a, a pool for assistance, which has never been offered here at Michigan State, and it ranks with the best in the Big Ten. He said, uh, this is my shot. I'm going to go back where I started as a GA. Well, what's the talent level at Michigan State as you see it right now, coming and what you have returning? Not very good. Okay. And you're in an awful good, good division. Oh, hey, you can be really good and finish fourth in the Big Ten East. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's been done here before. Uh, Michigan State's won three Big Ten championships and had six double-digit win seasons in the last ten years. And they've only had eight in their history. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it hasn't been that long ago. But if you watched the team last year, especially in the fourth quarter against Illinois, it seemed like light years ago. Well, that was that was uh, that was a game that might have led uh, D'Antonio to think about maybe he should think about something else. I don't know. I how uh, I had a lot I, of fans to think about it. I'll yeah. tell you that. At, was did D'Antonio make this decision without being pushed? I think that there were people who wanted him out. Uh, I think there were people who said, you know, it's uh, it's not going anywhere. But he had the right to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't forced out. And uh, he had given people an indication, including his staff, that he was coming back. And some of them could have gone other places. The plan was that they were going to get the band back and do it one more time, see what happened. But eventually, you know, when you're 64 years old and you've had health issues and I think you you see where the program is. It's a rebuild now. So this is probably a three-year deal. And he realized that he couldn't tell people that he was in it. And kids kept asking him, you know, how long are you going to be here, coach? And what do you do? What do you say? Do you just lie? Do you just know that, hey, this is my last year, but I can't tell anybody that? And uh, finally he said, "Do, do I want to be here or do I want to spend time with my wife? And my girls and do some other things with my life. And, you know, you've been in coaching your whole life. Uh, Michigan State just had a strength and conditioning coach this week who retired after 45 years. But the average fan doesn't realize the grind that these guys go through, especially in a pressure environment like that. And if you want to do it right, especially at a program that's not a have-it-all, it's an 80-hour-a-week commitment. And that's you know, pretty much year-round, too, these days. Coaches don't play golf anymore. <laughs> no. No. D'Antonio says, you know, he never really played golf. Now he can try to do that. So he'll have time to be a normal human being. <laughs> I don't you know, know I don't know if playing golf is being normal, but <laughs> <laughs> we got Kelly here, and, and he's had two rounds in February in Champaign. Uh, how, oh, you, how about that? <laughs> you got to get them where you can get them. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, what's the early uh, – What's the early fan reaction to Mel Tucker? I know it's only been a few days. Well, I think that they're they're optimistic. They think that this guy's got a great resume. He's had some tremendous mentors. Uh, Has he done it as a head coach? No. But last year, 
Colorado. They won five games. They beat Washington. They did some things they had done. They had their best recruiting class in 12 years. Uh, I think that they think he's learned from some of the best. So they're happier with this. And if they go seven and six next year, they'll think it's great. If they'd gone seven and six again with D'Antonio, they would have been suicidal. Are you so, going to are you going to keep all your recruits? It looks like it. It looks like it. You know, one of the things, Lauren, and you probably saw some of this with Lovey, is uh, when you've been in the NFL and you've had success at other places, uh, people made a decision to come for a reason, and they're just looking for hope. But everybody wants to be in the pros. used to be 25 years ago when we were doing this. Guys wanted to come, and they wanted to play college football. That was number one. Now everyone's looking ahead to, when am I going to be in the league? Yep. And if you've got a guy who has recruited Heisman Trophy winners and multiple first-round draft picks and All-Americans, but, but especially guys who've gone on and played pro football, they think, this guy can help me get there. And uh, that might be what they have with Mel Tucker. Another minute or so with uh, Jack Evling. Back to basketball. Yep. Do you have a determination right now who's the best team in the Big Ten? Are you ready for this, guys? Mm-hmm. Don't say Penn State. Uh, Changed my mind uh, at about seven o'clock tonight at halftime of this uh, Maryland-Michigan State game. But right now, I think the best team in the league is Penn State. I don't think we can argue with that. They're, they've won seven straight. They're they're old, experienced, and deep. You know, the teams that can keep their players through four seasons. You know, yeah. That that I, a couple of years ago they had a great player. Uh, I think his name was Carr, and he he yeah. left early. Just killed him. Yeah. Just killed him. Yeah. But now this yeah. year they kept Stevens, who could have turned pro. He's a good player, and he's a, I think he's a professional player somewhere. And, uh, yeah, and yet he stuck around. And of course, Watkins stuck around. And now, now they got two real veterans to lead that team, and it makes all the difference, I think. And, and anymore, you, you never know. You, you, if you recruit the top players, they're one and done. You got to get that guy that's you know, not quite good enough for the NBA and, and good enough to stick around for four years to have a championship team. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think Lamar Stevens is one of the five best players in Penn State history. And you look at it around here, guys. Uh, Cassius Winston. Mm-hmm. Uh, no NBA team is trying to lose games to get Cassius Winston. But, uh, you know, he had a chance if things had worked out right. He could have been the first player in college basketball history with 2,000 points and 1,000 assists. Only four guys have 1,000 assists. Now, he's not going to get there. He's going to be in the 900s. But he's setting the Big Ten assist record where no one will ever get it because if you're good enough, you're going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're so excited about uh, Curbelo coming in because we think Illinois can keep him for a few years, and he's really good. You know, they, they've got a yeah. point guard coming out of the east at, uh, out of yeah. Long Island, that uh, is, and that's maybe uh, the most hopeful thing Illinois has is, is to get a guy that you figure is going to be here for a while because if you, if you get his teammate, who's number one in the country as a junior, if you get him, you know he's not going to be here very long. That's for sure. Right, right, right. Well, uh, you just hope that Io gets back. That's the people around here looked at that and said, oh, no, that looks horrific. But uh, not so bad, as it turns out. No, yep. not so bad. Hey, Jack, appreciate your time. Thanks for getting back with us. Uh, enjoy the big weekend there, and we'll uh, check in with you down the road. Sorry I missed you guys at the beginning, but uh, call any time. Not right. a problem. Thanks, Thanks, Jack. Jack Ebling from East Lansing, Michigan. Does a show on the radio called uh, The Drive with Jack Ebling, longtime newspaper guy like yourself, Lauren. You've, you go back with him. Oh, boy, we go back a long way.
30, 40 <laughs> years. Not that anybody's counting. Let's go back to the phones real quick before the break. Eric is calling from Maryland. Hey, Eric, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. I uh, got a question for Lauren. Uh, I want to ask Lauren today's game who he thinks the most important person on the court is going to be for the Illini. And then Ooh. I'll give you my opinion after I ask him. Well, I think it'll be Feliz. I think I think that uh, I think he's got to, he's going to have to be in there an awful lot, and he's going to have to take over for Iowa spot. And I think he can score. And I, you know, I, I, it's it's got to be a team effort, though. It's got to be one of those, you know, out, out of this world team efforts. And they got to get Kofi going, and then just just everybody's got to play well. But I'll take your uh, what's your guess? You you want my opinion? Yeah. Brad Underwood. Okay. He's going to be the most important person on that court today. Okay. I'm going to be watching him more than anybody with his substitutions, his in-game strategy, his adjustments. If Co- if Io's not playing, he's got to make some decisions. You know, stuff like you can't have Williams and uh, Georgie on the court at the same time. They, they'll have no one that could score. I mean, I, I'm going to be watching Underwood with a microscope today and see what kind of in-game decisions he's made. This could be a big coaching game for him if Iowa's not playing. And if they want to win, he's going to have to make all the right decisions on when to call timeouts, everything. It's a big day for Underwood. I think you're right. I think uh, in any game you can say that, but especially this one. And I also think pay particular attention to how Illinois starts the game. That's where I've been a little disappointed lately when they, they come out. They know it's a sold-out arena at home uh, two games in a row, and they in the one, the Maryland game, they came out and started great. But the Michigan State game, they, they looked flat. It almost looked like the moment was too big for them. So I think that's a key factor there. Then once the game gets going, you're right. Uh, what adjustments? Who does he put in the starting lineup? How does he work the rotation? It'll be uh, a good thing to watch. Uh, yeah. Another comment I have is, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Bobby Knight return to Bloomington. I thought that was pretty cool and emotional, but I thought it was kind of indicative of what's really important, especially when you have some injuries and, and some people that aren't scoring. He, he led the chant of defense to the crowd, not, not offense, but defense. So if they can have a good defensive game and Underwood gets the right combination of people in there and uh, Griffin can rebound and play some defense and, and Georgie can come out of his funk, I think they're going to come out with a W. I think they're going to win today. It's a lot of ifs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank guys. you. Have a good one. Yeah, appreciate the call. By Ten, the way, I got some news. Yeah. Illinois baseball ahead, 2 to nothing in the fifth inning. That is the ball game we're going to join in progress coming up in 30 minutes. So they scored uh, one in the first and one in the second, I That's believe, right. in that uh, ball yep. game. And we'll have the broadcast for you here at uh, 11 o'clock when we're done. It's 1030 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll talk some Illinois wrestling coming up next with head coach Jim Heffernan. That's next on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, moving our way towards 11 o'clock this morning. Plenty of basketball talk today. Illinois on the road at Rutgers this afternoon. It's a big weekend for the Illini wrestling team as well. The wrestling team is hot. Five straight wins going into the final regular season Big Ten match against Purdue tomorrow, a top 10 team at uh, Huff Hall. And uh, head coach Jim Heffernan is on the line with us. Coach, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning. You're busy these days, are you? <laughs> yeah, it's that time of year. You know, I'm either in a gym with our guys or in a gym watching guys. So um, kind of an endless, endless thing this time of year. Let's talk about your guys. As I mentioned, uh, wrestling very well right now. Nine and three on the season, six and two in the Big Ten. Kind of a... You do have another match after this, a non-league match, but kind of uh, the coup de grace to the uh, Big Ten regular season coming up tomorrow against Purdue. Talk about your guys and what uh, has been working well for you. You know, I, I think overall we have really good balance. I think we have really good guys at every weight. Um, you know, maybe we're lacking a superstar uh, personality. I agree Martinez with Jesse Delgado or Emory Parker that we've had for a lot of years. But I think we, we have really good balance for a dual meet. Uh, and the fortunate thing, you know, we got we have four freshmen starting for us, and I think a good mix with older guys and younger guys, and and the older guys have really done a good job, kind of taking the younger guys under the wing and telling them what to expect, you know, not to get too high, not to get too low. They they've done a really good job, um, you know. I don't want to say babysitting, but keeping an eye out for the younger guys. And, you know, overall, I think we're wrestling really good right now. We, we have a lot of energy. We started off the season a little bit slow, um, you know, for whatever reason. But we really picked it up, and um, guys are wrestling with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, and, and it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. You mentioned some young guys. Is there a leader on the team? Is there uh, one guy you kind of go to if uh, you need uh, somebody to, to reach the other guys, maybe uh, aside from a coach? Well, I, I think a couple guys have really stepped up. Travis, senior, he's been a four-year starter for us. Um, you know, he's really watched out for some of the younger guys and, and done a very good job. Um, kind of crazy situation, but we have uh, twin brothers on our team who are redshirt freshmen that are actually our team captains, along with a guy named Michael Carr, who uh, Michael has been a starter the last couple of years, has been dealing with a knee injury this year uh, and hasn't been in our lineup at all, so... Um, he's the other captain, real quiet kid, um, incredibly intelligent, but, but they've all done a pretty good job make, keeping everybody accountable and, and making sure everybody's on the right page and understanding the, you know, the history and tradition and, and success we've had for a lot of years and, and kind of let them know our expectations too. Coach, uh, this is Lauren. You've got a couple of local guys on the team, Cardoni and, and Luffman. I'd like for you to talk about Luffman specifically. I know he's he won two matches, I believe, for the Michigan State and the Northwestern in the final match, uh, close matches that he came up and and came through in the clutch. Uh, how how much does he, he's in a two hundred eighty five pound weight class? What does he actually weigh himself? And and give us a little of his background in coming from Urbana to to play, to be a heavyweight as a freshman. Yeah, Luke's about two fifty right now, and and I think. You know, he, he's not one of these guys that was tied back a year. He's not one of these guys who started school late. You know, he's an 18-year-old kid. So so doing what he's doing right now as an 18-year-old kid with, with a huge upside in terms of physical maturity, mental maturity, um, he's had an outstanding year. He's actually, you know, been put in a situation where um, in three matches, you know, Michigan State, Northwestern, and then Missouri, uh, came down to the wire, too. And, and oh, right. Fortunately for us, he's always been a, a heavier weight, so that kind of burden, I guess, has been on him for a lot of years. But um, really good athlete, really good wrestling understanding, IQ, really good skills for a young guy. 
um, and he's a gym rat, which is really kind of a challenge to find at heavyweight. A guy who loves to be in the gym, loves to train. Um, the guy, he, he, he really loves the sport. You know, he's a three-time state champ out of Urbana. He was a junior national freestyle champ, a junior national Greco champ. So, I mean, he's got really, he's got national-level credentials. And the best part, you know, he grew up, he, he and Cardani both grew up in our kids' club, and Cardani lived about five miles away from Huff Hall, and, and Luffman grew up maybe two miles from, from Huff. So they're familiar with our program. We're familiar with them. We kind of know what both of them would bring to the table, and it was an easy decision for us to recruit them both. Is what what is his potential as as a you know you it isn't that easy to have a heavyweight uh, I would think that it would develop this quick. Um, no, we, we we recruited him for a reason. He's really good. <laughs> we just we we just like to try to retrain all our guys with circumstances and a and an injury to another guy. We weren't cap- we weren't able to do that. But he is developing quickly. As I said, he's a gym rat. Um, he's asking questions. He learns quick, uh, making adjustments. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a superstar for us for sure. You continue to recruit the state of Illinois very heavily. Um, how would you rank the state of Illinois for high school wrestling uh, nationally? Um, you know, Illinois is definitely one of the top states in the country for sure for wrestling. Um, you know, we do well, especially at the high school level. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're really competitive nationally. So it's a good state, you know, even tomorrow we'll have all 10 of our guys will be from the state of Illinois. Um, Michael Carr last year, or could be our starter this year, but he's from Pennsylvania. Other than that, we recruited out of Ohio a little bit in the past and have a couple kids out of from Ohio on our team now. We've had great success in California over the years. But our core has always been the state of Illinois, for sure. Tell us a little bit about uh, Purdue. The Boilermakers ranked eighth. You're ranked 15th in the latest rankings. Uh, talk a little bit about their team. What you're going to see tomorrow? Um, they're not like us. They, you know, they have a lot. They have a lot of balance. They're, they got a good guy, a pretty good guy at every weight. Um, you know, their guys. Some of their guys have been to the national tournament several times. Really experienced, um, pretty physical team. So we've seen them, you know, we've seen them at Michigan State, and then we saw them again at the Midlands. So we're, we're kind of familiar with them, um, but a lot of new matchups where maybe guys haven't wrestled before. Um, but you know, a very competitive meet again, and, and one of those ones that, just like any other match in the Big Ten, there's there's some toss-up matches that you have to win, and and then we'll have a chance to to win the meet. You know, so there'll be some competitive matches for sure, and, and it'll be a tight one. I'm positive. That uh, win last Friday night at uh, number 25 Rutgers was win number 100 for you as head coach at Illinois. What does that mean to you? Well, it means I'm old. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's um, all this stuff isn't about me. You know, I, Jeremy Hunter has been an assistant here all 10 years I've been here. We've had the same trainer for 10 years, uh, Jeff Johnnell. We've had Jim Zielinski being our strength coach for the past 10 years. And those guys are as much part of it as anybody. And obviously the guys on the team who have won a lot, a lot of matches over the course of a long period of time. So, you know, it's a nice thing. But at the end of the day, again, it's, it's um, you know, the next event is the most important event. And 
the wrestling could be and that matters most. Hey, Jim, we appreciate your time. I know you're busy with practice and getting set for tomorrow and watching high school wrestling in uh, the postseason, yeah. but we appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for getting caught up with us. We'll do it again soon. Yep, you bet. Thank you. You bet. Jim Heffernan, Fighting Illini wrestling coach in year number 11 for uh, the University of Illinois. They're ranked number 15 in the country. And uh, number uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow at Huff, and the game will also be on the Big Ten Network. If you can't make it over, it's on BTN tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Big Ten Wrestling, Illinois, and Purdue. It is 10.42. We'll take a timeout. Keep the phone lines open, 356-9397. Back after this on DWS. Ten forty six. Phone line is open. Three five six nine three nine seven. In about uh, fourteen minutes, we'll join Illinois baseball in progress down in North Carolina. Last report, they were ahead two nothing in their game against Seton Hall. I don't know if you've been around the uh, Pella Window Store lately at one ten oh one North Country Fair Drive, but if you do stop by there sometime, check out their new uh, lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors which provide outstanding sound control, all at an amazing value. Most styles are available with the uh, triple-pane glass, which can provide energy conservation. The Appella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency, and you can personalize the solutions for each room in your home with available product packages. They've got many packages to choose from. With the Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style, And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors to complement your home and your budget. Stop by Monday through Friday and uh, talk things over with Mike Mary and his staff or give them a call, 356-6474, or check them out online, PellaOfChampagne.com, the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella Windows and Doors. Quick baseball question for you. Yeah. If I told you, that the Cardinal lineup would start out with Fowler leading off, DeYoung batting cleanup, Yachty in fifth spot, followed by Carpenter, O'Neill, and and uh, Bader. How would you feel about their chances to win the division this year? Not so good. Uh, <laughs> that uh, no changes. No, no changes, and they lost, you know, thirty home runs and eighty-five RBIs. I know it. I know it. With Ozuna, and maybe they're not done. I don't know. I, you know, Arenado still sounds like he wants out of. Colorado, but and I, and, and, and the DeWitt Cardinals sound want like to, they want to keep their thirty-five million yeah, per year. They don't want that uh, payroll going to two hundred thousand dollars. They're at about one seventy or two hundred million. One batter isn't going to change it that much. This is a bad lineup. The Cardinals lineup this going in is just not what you would hope for. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get out of Carpenter. Well, you don't know what you're going to get out of Fowler or Carpenter. We haven't seen O'Neill be able to either stay healthy or avoid the curveball. And um, Yachty's, did, did he get younger? Maybe he did. He did not get younger. Okay. He's 37. Wainwright on the mound is 38. They're, they've got both those guys penciled in for roles. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't like it, but it, they still got a chance in that division. It's, it's a division that's going to probably be a toss-up. Let's go back to the phones. We've got a call from St. Louis, and Joe is on the air with us. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Lauren. Uh, one thing I've always appreciated about you is you're able to look at the big picture. I think about Illini basketball in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and Steve hit on this earlier about uh, uh, Brad Underwood 
most important decisions on who he puts on the court today. And Steve mentioned about getting off to a good start, which to me is important every single game that you play. I think the most important decision the coaches make is who's on the floor, isn't it? Besides, you know, strategy is not that important. I mean, it's important, but the players have to execute on the floor. So, which leads me to my observation. Um, uh, it's I'm, I'm baffled by the fact that Damani Williams starts every game. If, if getting off to a good start is important, why would you want to have your inferior lineup starting the game? And that includes the second half as well. Um, and Georgie, I mean, he can't shoot from three. He's running around there on the three-point line all the time. He can't shoot a 15-footer and hit it. He just he, That's just not his game. And his only effectiveness is when he's around the basket, and he can't do that because Cody Koki has taken that place. So, what's your ex- what's your I'm expre- Well, you're expressing a team that is flawed, and it is truly flawed. It is a flawed team. You've got a lot of players that have shortcomings. I mean, Fraser can't get a shot, and you know I'm not going to go through the. Li- you've just ran the, the thing down. I mean, they just got to do the best they can with what they have. Is all I can tell you. And uh, there are reasons why I don't. I wouldn't start Damati, but that's his decision. It's, it's his. Uh, that's his strategy to start uh, to establish defense in the beginning, and maybe um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's 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 baffling to me. But uh, he's uh, he had a seven game win streak in the Big Ten. That's not bad. So let me let me reiterate what I heard Tom Enzo say during his post game. Uh, interview the other day, <clears throat> he, he was commenting about Illinois that they had two players, and I, Damani was one of them, and I, I think maybe, um, I can't think of Tevian Jones. Uh, Tevian hit one. His comment was, well, they had two players that hadn't hit a three-point shot since the turn of the century. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah, oh, yeah, Izzo said, yeah, huh? <laughs> anyway, that's my comment. Thanks a lot, guys. All yeah. right, Joe, thanks for taking time to give us a call. Let's go back to the phones and Marty down in North Carolina with us. Hey, Marty. Morning, Lauren. Morning, Steve. Sorry I couldn't get up to watch the Illini baseball team, but being blind, I wouldn't have seen much anyway. (laughs) Um, Don't fret too much on the Cardinals. As you noted, Lauren, the division is kind of up for grabs. Four pretty good teams in Pittsburgh will probably, whoever beats up on Pittsburgh the most will probably win the division. Um. Before you get too worried, though, Goldschmidt had the worst year he's had in five or six years. And that may be a trend. It could be a trend, or he could bounce back. Carpenter had his worst year. He can't go much lower. I think he might bounce back. Young guys might learn not to swing at curveballs out of the zone. I mean, <laughs> you, can throw ba- you can throw Bader, O'Neill. I mean, just go down the list, and DeYoung's been – Guilty of that, too. And DeYoung, other than 30 home runs, had a terrible year at the plate. After a decent start, his last four months were pretty bad. And Fowler I won't go into because I think that was a bad trade in the first place. But, you know, I wouldn't worry too much. I think the pitching might be decent. Might be surprised. Oh, I'm not going to be surprised so, if the pitching's decent. I think that's the – they're riding the pitching. That's their key. Well, they're riding the defense and the pitching. Well, I agree. Uh, yeah, Okay. I accept that, and, but I mean, but they're gonna they they they'll have the 
second worst defense in the division. I mean, offense in the division. They'll have the second worst offense in the division. I I would guess. I think they may have the worst. Well, they might right now. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh's got a decent lineup. Okay. They really do. If you look at some of those young guys in the top four or five positions there. Anyway, trades are still out there to be made. So this team won't be the same in the second half that it is as it starts the season. So hang in there. Oh, You've I'm hanging in. I'm not giving in. I'm just saying. I'm just pointing out what what's the case. I mean, this is yeah. this is a lineup that ended the season in, in in a terrible drought and of hitting drought. And I just think that yeah. I, I had hoped for something better. Uh, at and all we did was they did that all. Chase they off did that the all one. year, Lauren. They they either scored a bunch of runs or they didn't score very many. Yeah. I mean, they they're just. It's pulling teeth offensively. I don't. I don't like the leadoff spot. I don't like a lot of things about it, and I'm. I'm afraid we've got to live through it again this year. I don't think there'll be that many changes. They don't want to get rid of these young guys. I'm afraid. All right, Marty. Thank you, my friend. All right. Bye bye. Yep. It is 10:55. Real quick, the Houston ball club at spring training kind of had a little press conference uh, earlier this week, and one thing became they fouled it off. One thing that. Uh, they didn't beat the right trash can, apparently. But one thing that became obvious to me is they didn't consult any PR firms or anything <laughs> like that on how no, do we do this because no, it, it, it didn't come off well. Yeah, let's just sit down and talk. Well, it didn't, it didn't make that much of a difference, but we violated the rules, but it didn't make that much of a difference, right? Yeah, and then 30 seconds later, he said, well, it could have made, made a difference. It could have made a difference. The guy with the most intelligent comments were – was uh, Dusty Baker, and he didn't say anything. <laughs> he just kind of sat there and shook his head. What am I doing here? I didn't have anything to do with this. Exactly. It is 10.55. We'll take our final break and be back with some final words after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 11 o'clock, about 10.58. 30 right now on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our guests on the show today, Scott Ritchie, talking about that basketball game today. Jack Ebling from East Lansing, talking about uh, all things Michigan State. Doug Altenberger from Piscataway, New Jersey. Doug will be working the ball game today with Brian Barnhart, Illinois and Rutgers. And to Jim Heffernan, the Illini wrestling coach. Thanks for your time on the show this morning. Real quick, Lord, about a minute left. I know you don't do predictions, but give me well, a... Well, no, I, I, I can't predict anything other than probably uh, number 17 for, for Rutgers at home. But I will tell you, this is a team that beat Bryant 73-71. to 71. Who's Bryant? <laughs> they beat Drexel 62-57. to 57. This is not a great team. They've got a worse record in the Big Ten than Illinois. Illinois has got a better record. Yep. Illinois is in a little bit of a slump right now, and we don't know about Iowa, and that, that does, certainly doesn't. But we have also seen teams in this league bounce back when players get hurt and have exceptional games, team games. And there's enough, there are enough players on this team to put together a good game against this uh, Rutgers team. If, if they don't come out shooting threes and get hot like I just saw Indiana do. <laughs> Some, sometimes we watch these games and, and, and they don't make sense. And that's what we need today. We need a game that doesn't make sense. Pre-game coverage coming up on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Now we join Fighting Illini Baseball in progress.